Welcome back to the Blacksmith Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is a final episode of a mini-series on engineering journey. It highlights lessons and insights from our early inspiration to navigating college and enjoying an impactful and successful careers. This episode in particular focuses on lessons and keys to enjoying a successful career in the engineering field. Let's quickly meet our panel. So my, my name is Chris Evans. Um, I'm a senior project manager uh, for a global manufacturing company. Hello, I'm Juwan Williams. I'm a new product engineer. I've been doing that now for five years. Farron Rucker, I'm an electronics engineer and I work for uh, NAVAIR, Naval Aviations, and the weapons division. My name is Jason. Um, I'm a process engineer uh, with a biopharmaceutical company. And I've been doing this now for at this company for two years, 10 years and all. My name is Abel. I currently work as an automation support engineer at a genetic testing facility. So let's kick things off. I want to open the floor. And as we reflect back into our transition into working life, over some lessons and learning curves you all recall. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead and kick this one off. Um, I think for me, what I struggled with was uh, being questioned. And I know that seems kind of weird, but like when you've been making good grades, you feel like you're competent, you feel like you're smart. <clears throat> I felt like I took things personal all the time. And it took me a while to get to a point where like, I had to understand that like the person answering the question isn't questioning my intelligence. They're just trying to understand the situation, the problem, and like just working towards addressing the problem rather than feeling like he's questioning my intelligence, right? So I struggled with that early on, but <clears throat> I started my first job May 20th, uh, going into the fall semester, I actually begin, uh, I went to NC State, started uh, uh, my getting my master's degree that first year of employment. So I was working the first year while also uh, earning my uh, master's degree. And uh, I'm glad I did it like right after college because a lot of that product knowledge was uh, not product knowledge, but that ability to like sit down and focus on schoolwork <clears throat> was still there. Like I had, I wasn't too distant from it. Uh, but also like one of the things, the cool things about like working full time while getting a master's, like a lot of the stuff I was learning, I was actually doing at work, which was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I think overall, like I learned pretty early that I enjoyed designing. Um, I enjoyed, uh, I, I was still kind of to myself a little bit. I hadn't branched out like one of the critiques I remember one of my early reviews was that I was like too work oriented. So again, not building, taking the time to build a relationship with folks like I, like I should have. Uh, and so I just had a lot of growing pains from like just being an introvert uh, and just like trying to build the relationships with folks and like trusting people. I, this may seem weird, but like 
just trusting somebody. Like I graduated ECU, started living in Raleigh. I didn't know anybody. Um, but just starting this new job, starting work, like <clears throat> you're, you're amongst all of these other engineers and you're kind of like, okay, where do I stand? Like from a academic level, from a competence level, like I know I can, you know, stand with these guys uh, on a competence level, you know, so I just got to like put the, put the work in. And it just, I think what I struggled with was just building those relationships, being personable uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, trying to be sociable. But from a work standpoint, I enjoyed it. I really loved it. Uh, it was like everything I, I thought I would do starting out. You know, it was a lot of design work um, and, and creating things, but having to be innovative to a, a degree. Um, and so I really enjoyed that that aspect of it. But <clears throat> I, I honestly struggled with just, you know, being social. I was just like an introvert. Like I didn't want to go to any of the team building activities or anything like that. So uh, that was like my first year, <laughs> like my my early career That's experience. Pretty raw and honest feedback. Real quick, uh, were there uh, maybe a few practical things that over time have helped you in those areas? Yeah. So I think one. I think you know I mentioned right, like um, just being open to, you know, you're you're an engineer. You're in engineering. Um, so like the job is problem solving. Part of problem solving is understanding what the problem is and addressing it accordingly. But sometimes you have to allow yourself to be wrong. Right. You have to allow yourself to accept criticism to a degree and, and go forward. Right. And don't focus on the criticism, but understand that, like, you're working amongst a team and the entire team is trying to progress towards a common goal. Right. It's not just about I'm. I, you know, I'm so focused on doing my job, my single job. I'm going to get what I'm supposed to do done. It's going to be, you know, good quality, good. But like you have to understand like it's the team, right? And make sure everybody, the whole team is progressing towards a common goal. And sometimes that can get lost when you're only focusing on making sure what you do is like up to par. Um, and so <clears throat> just being open to criticism, being open to crit uh, questioning, and being able to move forward. But another thing that was really valuable was uh, a course. It was a Dale Carnegie course. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Dale Carnegie, uh, but uh, there's a Dale Carnegie course on empathetic listening um, and people skills. And I took that and uh, it was like a, a life changer uh, for me. So just to uh, really allow me to just like listen empathetically because I was also a person that didn't take light to people making excuses early in my career. Uh, I just found that really annoying and frustrating. <clears throat> so it took me a while to like be comfortable with that as well. So I think it was just those two things, like one, accepting criticism, accepting uh, questioning, but then also like that course was just a real eye opener. It really just kind of made me look in the mirror and just, you know, people are, just understand that people are people like, you know, life happens and people have to deal with with uh, just normal day to day stuff. And uh, just making sure you are empathetic to their concerns, um, their issues um, and, and just like their day to day, like just being able to listen in and, and hear what they talk about, have some interest in what's going on in their life with their families. And so that allowed me to like, like, I feel like. I changed 
like immediately after course, after the course. And uh, that was probably like the biggest contributor to how I interact with people. Uh, even today, I think about like that course and how grateful I am for it. So you highlighted a lot of lessons that we can all, I'm sure, learn from even at this stage in our career. Uh, before I transition off to Chris, uh, I wanted to uh, quickly answer, ask you, uh, Juwan, uh, the decision to pursue a master's degree, if you can just quickly highlight why and, uh, you know, reflecting back since you gotten your master's in engineering, uh, if uh, it had a worthwhile value. Yeah, so for me, it was uh, it was one of those things that was a personal goal for me. Um, and it was something like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Uh, I think also in the area that I was <clears throat> looking for work, uh, and hoping to be employed, uh, they were looking for, uh, candidates who had graduated from said university where I got my, uh, master's from. So I felt like that would be really good to add on to, uh, the, uh, resume as far as educational experience. Um, and then also, <clears throat> for being honest, I thought long term I would end up in a more, I guess, manufacturing, uh, mass production uh, type environment um, where it would be better utilized um, in that role. And then, you know, also in a, a long thinking long term, I thought it'd be really beneficial for, in, a, in an effort to achieve uh, a managing role. So. The place I currently work, it's not mass production. Uh, we make, you know, hundreds of thousands of units uh, a year, you know. Uh, so it's, it's not like mass production where, you know, you think about like Honda making ECUs and they're making like, you know, maybe, you know, hundreds of thousands of those like every couple months, right? So whether it's worth it for me personally, it was because it was like, okay, I know I can do this. Like I know I can you know, go to the same school, these other kids or other guys who I'm working with uh, have their undergraduate degrees from, I can go to the same school, I can get just as good a, a GPA, uh, and uh, I can do the same work, the same professors, um, and I feel like, okay, like, I know I'm not, like, <clears throat> in an environment where my education is somewhat or, or less than what they uh, currently have or have obtained, right? So I just felt like that to me was like, was a personal goal, but also like it just ensured me that, you know what, like I, I should be here, right? There's no question that like I shouldn't be here just because, you know, I went to ECU, for example. Man, that's uh, thanks for that feedback. And uh, speaking of master's degree, I know Chris, that was something that you uh, pursued after your undergrad. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that uh, journey and then also transitioning to uh, professional life after ECU? Uh, sure, sure. So I was just going to piggyback on something Juwan was saying from the transition to the professional life. And so I, I think that, you know, when you're in the, the college environment, and especially uh, like the undergrad for, for engineering, you're able to kind of you know, self-attain uh, with the exclusion of some group projects, you can kind of go into the classroom and you can get that measure of validation and success from your individual coursework. 
you're making sure you do your assignments and your performance on tests. But then when you get out into what, you know, we call like the real world or uh, working with within an organization, it's not really just about your ability to complete tasks or, or make a contribution um, in terms of your skill set. It's a, a lot of your sick you know, being a lot of what it takes to be successful and a lot of what it takes to make the most of an impact with the organization is in like the people element. It's in the connectivity, it's in the communication side. And uh, that was something that I I picked up on early on in post-grad life. Um, So I did a a paid internship right after graduation and then went to a full-time position with the same company. Uh, I'm with now as as well as the same company I did my capstone project with, you know, in my senior year. And so it was an opportunity to, uh, I started in a non-traditional engineering path. So I didn't go down the, um, you know, what you would center, consider the more true engineering um, role of like design or working, you know, in pro-E and, and, and things of that nature. Um, but I was working with, you know, technical material, but there was also a, you know, a people component to it, a customer service component to it, an internal stakeholder component, componentry to it. And so that, that's something that I think, you know, as, as far as the transition and, and storyline kind of got me more to a, a sweet spot, I think, in my own career over time is I like to, I understand the technical information. I like exposure to it. I like talking about it. And sometimes I enjoy getting in the weeds, but I don't really have to get in the weeds every day. I can, you know, orchestrate and, and leverage some of my interpersonal skills on the people side to, you know, impact business outcomes. So um, that, that's just kind of the transitional thought there. And then on the, you know, master's degree side, it, it like Juwan said, it was a personal goal for me. It was something that I set out and knew that I wanted to do before I ever finished undergrad, especially after I kind of, I didn't have, you know, collectively the success that I wanted to have had um, academically in the undergrad portion while I finished so strong, you know, gained the confidence there. I wanted to add that extra piece for some similar reasons, combining an MBA, learning the business side with a technical degree, in this case, you know, undergrad in, in engineering is something good for advancement in the future and has helped me in that regard. But, but additionally, um, it, you know, it's, it's like something to you know, to, to, to prove to yourself, right. And something to achieve as a personal goal, to know that um, I can take it a, another step farther. That, that's what I would say. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Chris. What about you, Jason? What was your transition process like going from undergrad into working in industry? Again, I think my path is always zigzag and up and down. I graduate with industrial engineering. And then I did an internship at a pharmaceutical plant. And my internship I did as lean manufacturing, you know, industrial engineering, you know, speeding up the line. And um, I liked it. First of all, um, I liked it because they had absolutely no firewalls. I love to learn and I got to see everything. I just walked into office and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Hey, how much how much does this product cost? Where do you get it from? And they would just tell me everything. They're like, oh, you have an email from our company. Here you go. And I was like, this is unreal. They're going to they gonna let me learn how to make all the Schedule 1 drugs? This is awesome. <laughs> so um, I 
I, I, after my internship, I came back and I actually started working as a database manager. And I was bored out my skull. I was in maintenance and I, I, I did a database management and I thought that was the worst thing ever. I, I, I hated every minute of it. I, uh, I learned to trade during that time, but uh, I, I didn't like it. I transitioned from that to new products engineer where I was bringing in new products and, you know, working in the lab, creating batch records, you know, working with some buyers and suppliers. So I really liked that job. You know, I was, my hand was like in every department and I understood how it, the product came in to where it went out. Um, and then, then I transitioned to now, um, you know, equipment engineer, you know, just, you know, working with automation and, you know, help brought up a new building. So, you know, more on the equipment side. So I guess that's, that was my career path. There are a couple of points that you made there, Jason, that really resonated with me. And that's irregardless of where you start within a given company, what position, title you have, just the value of having that continuous desire to learn and collaborate with people in different functional areas outside of your department and group, especially when there is no, where there is limited barrier. Uh, I think that's just priceless because it gives you a wider perspective on what opportunities lie. And then when you set aside time to kind of continuously self-develop and add new skill set, that also makes you, you know, very versatile and adaptable. Uh, in your case, it was investing, which, you know, there's some value to that. Yeah, but for me, transitioning from undergrad to working life was a pretty tough one. Uh, there was, even at one point, uh, I vividly remember submitting 75 application over the course of a week and not being able to land a single interview. That was pretty tough to say the least. Yeah, especially the uh, disappointment that came with that uh, as it pertains to the rejection. And then also the personal expectation uh, was a little hard, but eventually, you know, with the help of a support group around me that uh, continuously edified and, and built me up to to have some persistence and to persevere uh, through that you know uh, I was able to build some humility you know and uh, hunger to continuously knock on doors and with that persistent you know slowly doors started opening started working and semiconductor uh, manufacturing facility that was great I was eating every minute of it up uh, then you know I was still focusing and had my heart set on pursuing opportunities so the biomedical field surely enough you know the more proactive I was on that front I came across an opportunity to work as a field service engineer travel to some really remote and cool places across the country uh, that was great. That helped me learn how to build relationship with customers. Uh, to the extent, actually, I landed a job with a customer I supported just 
based off of the relationship I had with them uh, within a hospital setting. That was uh, a blessing in a lot of ways. Uh, but, you know, my time there wasn't uh, infinite. I wanted to continuously challenge myself to grow. Uh, so I took on an opportunity to relocate out west, uh, which was uh, a challenge on many fronts, including uh, both personally and then also professionally, I was jumping into the lab instrumentation industry where I currently work at a genetic facility, testing facility. So in a nutshell, I just share all that to just encourage our listeners that are going through the grind of finding their place and fit that it's a marathon. You know, uh, it takes a lot of persistence and uh, to just continuously strive to uh, uh, have that same hunger that Jason indicated. Continuously learning, uh, capitalizing on opportunities to collaborate with teammates across different uh, functional areas and just in general, uh, never settling, but continuously striving or opportunities that are worthwhile and fulfilling, whether that be in terms of earning potential or impact. We are very fortunate to live in a country where that opportunity is there. So that's my encouragement. Uh, what was your uh, degree in? My degree was in biomedical engineering was the concentration, but, you know, when I was in school, my thought was just like medical instrumentation, uh, R&D, testing, uh, more in like a manufacturing setting. Uh, so I had no idea that field service opportunities were available out there. I think this is where uh, pursuing internships, co-ops during your uh, collegiate uh, career I think that supplements you with an exposure of what the quote unquote real world looks like. So I think not having that maybe could have given me that exposure early on, but that was my transition. Farron, what about you, man? Was uh, the opportunity to transition and start at Navier something that you just jumped right into or was there a transitioning phase for you? Uh, let's see, you're just talking about posts of graduating or like that process. Yeah. Transitioning from school to, uh, working life. Uh, how was that for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, I was, I think what kind of, so as far as academically, I did okay, uh, in school, but what I've, Let's see. I think what I've learned is that like having a social IQ, a high social IQ is extremely valuable. And so I think a lot of engineers, like we were all naturally introverts, but I think a lot of engineers, like upon graduation, didn't even know how to talk. And so I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I just think, so I remember a couple of, couple of guys like had, uh, and I'm not I'm not referring to Jawad, but I'm saying there's a couple guys I remember had like 4.0 GPAs or 3.8, 3.9, and couldn't get a job after school. 
because they didn't know how to talk to people or communicate. Highly technical. And so I think, I think for me, what I lacked as far as on paper when I graduated, I think I was able to make up for it. And it was a lot of energy for me because I'm naturally a, an introvert. But uh, I think I made up for some of it just kind of being a, a little more approachable. And I was really hands on. And so I would go to like interviews and stuff and they're like, oh, wait, you've, you've built motors and you've worked with circuit boards. And, you know, I was like, yeah, like it's, you know, so being hands on, I think, uh, I think that helped me. I remember uh, it wasn't surprisingly, it wasn't too difficult to, to get a job after school. Um, I had a handful um, of interviews, I think just because I, you know, I had a family and a son, I was just like, Hey, I'm going to interview and try to find a job that has a lot to do with troubleshooting. And I'm going to take the job. Like, cause it was like, I need to make money and I have a little one. So, uh, yeah, it had a handful of interviews and, um, yeah, I got, I got an offer. Yeah. So I don't think it was too, too difficult. Um, yeah, to get a job, um, I think kind of like I will say similar to Jawan, my first, like I was a really, I caught on really fast and I was really able to do like anything in the manufacturing uh, facility I was working at. I worked for uh, like lab equipment and research and development equipment when I graduated for the first couple of years and uh, I caught on really fast. They did say i once I got into work mode, I didn't have, in quotes, my manager said, you weren't chippy enough at work. But I was performance, I did great. But I wasn't chippy enough, and I didn't like going to the social functions. But, uh, but yeah, so I'd say for, you know, for those that aren't, you know, extremely great, like, academically, I think the people skills... And for me, uh, being able to, like, I had practical applications by the time I graduated. So I think that uh, that helped me. And then in Navair, same thing. Uh, I had, uh, I was interviewed by six departments. They spanned my resume. I interviewed six departments, and I got, uh, or five, and I got job offers from all five. And it was because of my, like, troubleshooting and, and, and stuff. So it really helped. Um, yeah, in fact, I don't want to go into too many tangents, but I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, the people skills and being able to troubleshoot, like I could swap a motor by the time I got, you know, I was in school. And so I think that that helped me a lot uh, in certain areas. So, but. Uh, cool. Uh I know you also touched about a little bit about uh, money as well. So I know that's a very important aspect of uh, work. Uh, I'm curious to hear from each of you's experience. Uh, what type of things have helped you guys maximize your earning potential? Uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Refer to episode one and two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, right. that's that's a good start for sure. Actually, not a bad uh, reference. I, I'll say so. Dr. Hey. Castles. I think someone mentioned Dr. Castles earlier. 
uh, before I graduated, he actually sent me a document about the 50-30 rule. So that first episode, when I'm talking about the 50-30 rule, like I knew about that because Dr. Castles uh, actually sent that to me prior to graduating. So uh, right. early on in my working career, you know, I was budgeting like day one. So that, that definitely helped me. But that, that is something, you know, I think we, I, I wish like academic uh, or universities and, and junior colleges did a better job at is like preparing uh, folks for, you know, financially, like how to manage uh, money and budget. Uh, but then also like the people skills that Farron touched on also is such a a big part in like being successful and being able to move forward um, and progress and get promotions and uh, work your way up the ladder. Like at some point, I don't know when, you know, it became more about who you know rather than what you know. Uh, and, and once you reach that point, a lot of that has to do with like people skills and and really working with people, but the uh, the financial side of it, and I was thankful enough for that reference doc that uh, that Doctor Castle sent me because otherwise I didn't really have anything. You know, no no one taught me how to create a budget or you know manage your money or anything like that. You know, coming out of out of college or, or high school, um, so uh, that was very beneficial. You know, you touched on you know, colleges and 50-30 and talk about, you know, them teaching more economics in school or, you know, personal finance. One class that stuck out to me that hit me like, I was like, oh man, this is it. This is all the information I need. It was engineering econ. Engineering econ, I was like, this is the Bible right here. This is going to make me a millionaire, you know, return on investment, you know, project, listed out the project, the five-year return, return on equity. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this, this is it for me, for me um, on, on, you know, creating that wealth. But I would say as, as you know, touching on what you guys saying, the EQ portion of it, and I was listening to... And I notice it in, in my job too, and I, and I think I understand why. This is my theory, and I feel the same way. I would rather work with someone that I like to work with, and we have a good working relationship that is might be mediocre skilled, than working with a high skilled person that is just difficult to work with. Because I, I'm seeing more and more as I, I'm in an industry, an individual can only do so much. And you can't get much done on an individual level. It is teams and it's organizations that move industries and, you know, create real fast progress. So if you have a really tight team and this person is supposed to be a programmer, but he sucks at one aspect of it. But on other parts of it, he's great to work with. That's the person you would rather want in your team than someone who checks all the boxes. But my goodness. And I, and I have, I have, you know, I'm sure we have examples of that. Um, I, had, I had this one guy that I used to work with. I really liked him. 
one of the smartest guys I, I've ever worked with. But every time we had an issue, he would say, oh, we can't do that. You know how long this is going to take to recruit. You know, I have to go back. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the people. We don't have the, you know, you know how difficult this thing is? I can't, I can't create this. There's no way this is going to work. There's no way. These people are crazy. I don't want to deal with them. And I would go back to him and say, hey, listen, honestly, these, these, they're out of mind. I, I get it. Hey, if anybody can make it work, you can make it work. Just, just take a look at it. You know, all we need really is a plan. So can you take a look at it? He's like, I don't know if I have time. I'm behind on everything. <sighs> just, just, just give me some time. I told him that on Friday. Monday, we get on the call. He's like, yeah, so I got a project planned together. We'll have it done by, by the end of the week. And I'm like, where did this come from? The brilliant guy, but just to get him moving, it was always the opposite. But that to say that people like working with, like if you... If, you know, even in the military, if you have a small team that works really well together, a four-man squad can do a lot of damage than a whole army that is not communicating. They don't work well together. They're highly skilled. You just have chaos. But if you have a good team, and even if they, they can pick up on each other's weaknesses and they work well together, that is the team you want. Yeah, I'll second that. Like uh, a lot of times in, in hiring and um, in doing interviews over the years I've uh, been employed, um, you know, we we often look for people we think will fit with our group, will fit with our teams. Right. We'll, we'll get some really we'll get some, you know, college students with really good GPAs. But a big part of what we're looking for is will you fit? with our culture will you fit with our team will you be you know a team player uh and so to jason's point that that does play a major role addition to you know uh the technical aspect of it uh i just think general sometimes engineers find that really difficult to balance the technical um aspects of things and, and then also like manage the people skills um so I remember like meeting Farron and I felt like he had such a welcoming attitude, right? Like uh, a welcoming personality. And like when you walk into a room and interview with someone, like you feel that, you notice that you can see He didn't meet that. him on the court. Right, right. I didn't meet him on the court. So maybe that's why. But the few times I interacted with him, I mean, I just felt like, man, this is the nicest big guy I know. Like, right? like this is a nice dude. This is a cool, like, he's so cool, right? I would love to work with this dude, right? So I don't know what his competence level is. I don't know what his GPA is, but he seems smart. Uh, but he also, more importantly, seemed like somebody that would be really easy to work with. And I think that goes a long ways uh, towards uh, uh, prospering uh, employment. In other words, I get the job if I were interviewing. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate That's right. You said you got five, uh, you were accepted to five different uh, companies, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a good success rate, five out of five. I'll take that. <laughs> right. Well, I, I would say this. Uh, I don't know if we want to work for Jawan because he's very impatient when it comes to excuses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about that with y'all, though. I'm not worried about that with y'all. <laughs> 
Like, that's right. the old me, Jason. That's the old me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's prior to the course. That's prior. One thing I want to quickly chime in and communicate, perhaps for someone that's listening out there that might have just clawed their way through engineering school and might not feel the most confident in terms of their theoretical understanding and knowledge is just reiterate what Jawan and Farron touched on. Having practical knowledge and understanding always trumps your theoretical knowledge. Uh, if you can't produce and create value uh, at a corporate setting, uh, your theoretical knowledge doesn't really matter. And when you can couple that with the soft skills that are necessary to work oftentimes in a team dynamic environment is very essential to being successful uh, personally and then also collectively as a unit. So uh, I thought that was just great to highlight. And then I just want to say, you know, the ability to chart your professional career is in your hand. The more active you are and not passive, the more results you'll yield. I think the tendency to stick around at a company hoping that people take notice and they uh, provide you handouts is a recipe for a stagnant career. So my encouragement to folks listening out there is just to continue build on those skills and deliver value for your current employer and explore opportunities to challenge yourself to grow, whether that be in terms of earning, uh, responsibilities, uh, making an impact. Uh, that's part of, of a meaningful and rich experience. So that's my message. I don't know if you oh, guys can share as well. Abel, that's a great point. That's an absolutely great point because um, I thought I stayed at my first company too long. Um, I I got to a point where I didn't have a, another opportunity. It took me a lot longer to get that that higher opportunity that I was looking for, and I stuck around and I waited. And sometimes that is good, but like to your point, you know, just trying to find your get these different experiences you can always go back here's the thing if you if you do a good job and you and you decide to move on your own and you pick up some more skills the only thing you're coming back with is more skills because you, you can still come back and still be a benefit to that company I think you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the company from staying in a position where you either want to pick up new skills or new experiences and not, not jumping in. Um, and we all do it for different reasons. Um, I had two kids on the way. I had a kid, had another one on the way, and I was like, I just need sleep. I just, <laughs> that's all I wanted is sleep. <laughs> but, but that was a great point. That's super clutch. I, I think uh, ge- keeping in mind that generalists run specialists. And so I think having having those skills and keeping it as general as you can 
like unless you just find like a niche and you're just like man like i absolutely love this i want to like you know fine tune my skills there but yeah i think if especially when you're trying to figure stuff out being a generalist kind of a jack of all trades i think you know creates opportunity and then once you truly find your niche you know or something you really want to do then hone in on that but yeah i mean uh that that helped for me i mean i went from like you know circuit boards to aircraft to industrial equipment to cars to sops and like i got to dabble in, in a lot of stuff so then when i found something and i was always looking uh I think always looking ahead is extremely important as you, you mentioned like skills and, and becoming a valuable asset. So like for, for me, I would look at, okay, well, what's the position I want? Let's say a year or two from now. And all right. So using kind of each experience as a stepping stone and say, like, okay, well, this is the, I want this job. What are the skills and experiences and trainings I need to have in order to be competitive for that? And so I'd look, you know, a year or two down the line and I'd become, you know, a generalist, pick up the skills and then apply to the next position or opportunity when it, when it came afloat. But, uh, but yeah, staying in one environment, unless that's what you just truly enjoy, uh, kind of you, you narrow down your, uh, your opportunities so again unless it's your your skill set or you just want to be there but yeah the generalist approach has helped has helped me anyway so uh, now uh years later i don't even work on electronics outside of my own hobbies i'm all software so uh yeah that reminds me i live my, my life by science and um i think that brings up one that i always keep near and dear to my heart if you're not learning while you're earning, you're missing out the, on a better part of the deal. That concludes our mini-series on the engineering journey. It's our hope you can find inspiration from our stories and the lessons we've gained from our work as engineers. Once again, our testimony shouldn't be a model for you to replicate, but rather for you to incorporate some of these lessons into your personal life and make your own. So thank you for supporting and listening to the Blacksmith Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and soon on other platforms as well. Until next time, peace.